0: I'm John Gormley. Greetings, welcome, and happy Tuesday morning. So glad you're here. Well, for me, it's the beginning of the week. I was off yesterday, all sorts of uh, meetings. I was working, but just not on the radio. So I'm so glad that you've stopped in here this morning. And whether you are in central and northern Saskatchewan or across the south where uh, snow is now starting to fall, and as you move further southeast, uh, a good bit of snow and even some fear of freezing rain coming in. Well, do we have a lineup today? We're going to be chatting a little bit later on the whole question of Alberta and the Canada pension plan. Can and should Alberta go it alone? Lorne Gunter, the great columnist with the Edmonton Sun, will be here to explain what Albertans think about this and why politically the government's doing what it's doing. We'll argue pros, we'll argue cons, we'll talk a bit more about that. And later, a great piece... On the increasing number of people, and you see them all the time, not just in funky little coffee shops, but even in your local Tim Hortons, in your local McDonald's. They sit there all day long for hours on their laptop using the Wi-Fi, buying nothing. Coffee shop owners finally saying something has to be done. We'll talk about some of the plans and ask you to weigh in. Also, the hour of the big stories, tons of stuff coming up. To talk about here. Okay, so uh, our guy is on the phone, uh, Dan McTague. uh, Okay, just make sure you get him on the phone though, keep calling. Uh, Dan is the founder of uh, Canadians for Affordable Energy. And I wanted to get him, and we'll uh, chat when we get him in a couple of minutes from now, on what was an interesting constellation yesterday. So you had the meeting in Halifax of all of the Canadian premiers and territorial leaders coming out united on what they're calling a fair carbon price approach, unanimously saying that, and this is a pretty rare show, you've got uh, liberals, you've got conservatives, you now have uh, two new Democrat premiers, Wab Canoe next door in Manitoba, David Eby in B.C., Left or right, the premiers were united in criticizing the approach of Mr. Trudeau in exempting the payment of the carbon tax on home heating in the Atlantic and his resistance to doing anything to relieve other Canadians on the home heating oil front. In fact, Premier Moe still in Halifax. I was noticing he'll be speaking uh, in the next few minutes to a media scrum going on in the Nova Scotia capital. So the premier here, if we look at the Saskatchewan angle, announcing this ultimatum last week that unless or until Ottawa does something to exempt the carbon tax from your cost of heating your home with natural gas, Saskatchewan will simply, through Sask Energy. Not collect the carbon tax, nor will Saskatchewan remit the carbon tax, amounting to about 170 million bucks a year just on natural gas through Sask Energy. So the premier on the weekend did not elaborate, but he telegraphed that the Saskatchewan government will look to a legislative solution. Uh, he didn't give details on what the enabling legislation would look like, but. It will allow Saskatchewan to give the authority to Sask Energy to do this, uh, and presumably uh, would insulate Sask Energy at least, or indemnify it, as the lawyers say. If Ottawa comes after Sask Energy, the government of Saskatchewan will stand behind it. So you've got the premiers united, you've got the Saskatchewan government moving to legislation, and then in the House of Commons yesterday. Uh, you knew this was a well-telegraphed uh, Friday, and particularly last week, it was an opposition day for the Conservatives. So the motion, non-binding, was to call on the Prime Minister to pause the carbon tax on all Canadians' home heating costs. The NDP, which has been propping up the Liberal government with a so-called Supply and Confidence Agreement, said it would vote with the Conservatives. So all eyes were then on Ottawa. What would happen? Now, the motion, non-binding, remember, so it doesn't matter, except it sends a very clear message that if the majority of parliamentarians believe this should happen, it should be certainly persuasive and push the government toward it. So when the votes were tallied yesterday, the NDP voted with the Conservatives. But the Bloc Quebecois and a couple of Green MPs, sided with the Liberal government. So, when all was said and done, 186 MPs voted to defeat the motion, 135 voted in favor. And, of course, the annoying thing for many people here was that the Bloc Quebecois said, none of this has an impact on Quebec anyway. So Quebec has no interest in this, but the leader of the Bloc making the point, E. francois Blanchette. why would the NDP vote strangely with conservatives? The environment is not a fancy thing you entertain between crises. It's an important issue. We have to be constant and patient and determined. So the Bloc Quebecois, almost working off Justin Trudeau talking points, to say there would be no exceptions for any Canadians this winter on the carbon tax you pay for home heating. So, interesting constellation of events that leads many to say, and this was the lead editorial this morning in the Toronto Sun, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau appears determined to go to any lengths to divide Canadians in defense of an unfair carbon tax. He's uniting the country against him. He won a battle Monday, but he's losing the war. His Pyrrhic victory And you know what a Pyrrhic victory is, that's when you win, but the cost is so great. The Pyrrhic victory came when the Bloc Quebecois, representing a separatist party that doesn't pay a carbon tax, voted with the Liberals to defeat the Conservative motion. So, hardly a good day for Trudeau, though. You've got the Premier's united front, you've got a push on across the country, and generally leading to the view, in fact, John Iveson put it very well. Uh, Iveson, you remember, wrote a book on Justin Trudeau back in 2019. Iveson's column in the National Post this morning. An enfeebled Trudeau has the NDP seriously reconsidering its support. And he argues that the NDP, unless it gets a universal, comprehensive, entirely publicly funded pharma care program. And this is not in months. This is in now is considering withdrawing its support for Prime Minister Trudeau in this supply and confidence agreement. And Iveson concludes by saying the very things, and he said this in his book in 2019, that Trudeau's fans and admirers have always supported him on his doggedness, his determination, his stubbornness will lead to his downfall. Okay, so we're going to chat with Dan McTague now, and in the second segment, uh, hang on. McTague is always fascinating to sample on these things. Hey, great having you here. Thanks for taking our call.
1: (laughs) Good to be here. Sorry about that, John. Just uh, getting that uh, uh, fall cold, as everyone seems to be getting out here, at least in Ontario. Ah,
0: you're okay. Um, So the constellation of a united front by the premiers, uh, the NDP even voting with the Conservatives in the House... Uh, Saskatchewan saying they'll actually pass legislation not to collect the carbon tax. You were in parliament for seventeen years, my friend. How does this look to you as a as a liberal? Uh,
1: well, as a liberal, I think uh, it's the days are numbered, and of course they're going to, as it were, uh, you know, circle uh, the wagons and ensure that uh, what little time they have left is going to be used to continue furthering their policy in the hope that somehow uh, public opinion will turn around. I think there has been a decided mood now in the country that the government 's entire policy uh, as damaging as it is attacking affordability is now very rightly seen as uh, being uneven unhanded, and tr- dramatically unfair we We all need some form of heating <coughs> fuel to uh, to manage our our ourselves during winter, and to have one exception given to one region, <coughs> no matter the circumstances uh, seems to uh, seems to be something that I think a lot of Canadians are extraordinarily dissatisfied with. In a word, uh, I think we're looking at the last days and perhaps the death twitch of the uh, Trudeau Liberal Party.
0: Is it possible, uh, and I'm, I'm interested because you, when you founded Canadians for Affordable Energy, you do a lot of the gas tax work and analysis, but we knew all along a carbon tax that would cap out at 50 bucks Today it's at 65 on the way to 170. I mean, this thing has been, they've moved the goalposts every time you think there are a set of rules. So why did it take this long for Canadians to simply start thinking the same way Saskatchewan people have been thinking for five years?
1: <laughs> a very good question uh, in all of this, John, because, of course, it's not just one, it's two taxes and several other um, regulations and uh, you know, uh, moves by the government <clears throat> to try to swiftly... Uh, you know, undermine the ability for people to make ends meet, but also be somewhat dishonest in the way in which, uh, frankly dishonest in the way in which they've approached this. So you, you quite rightly pointed out they said it would never go above fifty dollars a ton or about ten or eleven cents a liter. Now we're marching well towards thirty-two to thirty-five cents a liter and forty-five, forty-eight before you even hit GST on uh, the uh, on diesel and uh, other forms of uh, energy will also move up about two hundred and fifty percent. Plus, of course, you then have uh, overarching regulations. One of the things that often doesn't get discussed but has everything to do with our quality of life and our purchase power is the weakness in the Canadian dollar. And that in no small measure is the result of the federal government on the other side uh, blocking pipelines, uh, regulating an industry with, uh, as we saw from the Supreme Court but also as we've seen for years coming up with inane uh, and and frankly uh, insipid ideas that have nothing to do the actual production of a product the world desperately needs. Bring it back to reality, I think for many of us, uh, it's the bridge too far. And of course, we're now hearing that the inflationary effect of carbon taxes, reluctant as the bank governor was last week, Tiff (laughs) Macklin, we now know that uh, these carbon taxes are highly inflationary, well above his target of 2%. And it's about to get a whole lot worse for Canadians. So in pandering to one region of the country and to a handful of members of parliament, uh, in the belief and or the sense that the, you know, red wall was falling in Atlantic Canada, they've now opened up a Pandora's box, the likes of which they cannot close and for which many people are starting to say, I can't afford to have these people in office any longer. Even the NDP gets that to a large, to a, to an odd extent, but we'll see if they have the intestinal fortitude to uh, take down this government.
0: Dan McTague, founder, Canadians for Affordable Energy. Always great having you by. You don't sound well, my friend. Thanks so much for no. uh, carving out some time for us. Uh, by the way, you sat in that House of Commons for 17 years. I was only there for four. Yeah. The Liberal MP from Newfoundland, Ken Macdonald, who was actually voting with the Conservatives originally, then they got the wish. Everybody got exempted in Atlantic Canada. So he stands up and he votes with the Liberals yesterday to oppose any other Canadian getting a break. Did he flip the bird or not?
1: Oh, I think he did, and uh, I think it's probably an attempt to try to get in the good graces of a caucus that uh, never stands up to its leader, and never stands up for constituents. Uh, in my time, I, as you know, in 17, 18 years there, I often voted uh, you know very much uh, based on principle. These guys do not have much, and in the case of uh, Mr. McDonald, any goodwill that was given to him by Canadians who thought well, he was standing up for it. his constituents and Canadians as a whole, has been completely lost by that, uh, frankly, amateurish and very childish Gesture.
0: Take care, my friend. Get well soon. And we'll best. see you. Thanks, John. Dan McTague joining us in his home base of Milton, Ontario, and I knew he'd have some thoughts on this. The hour of the big stories looms, where we have thoughts on all sorts of things on your mind today. This is nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Take it easy. I'm John warmly. I applaud your use of the language of romance. Keska, say, John. Quebec paying no carbon tax? nest pas? What different plan does Quebec have? Quebec doesn't pay a carbon tax. And I think by now, you should have nutted out, if you're a Canadian and you don't like something and it hurts you, Quebec never has to do it anyway. That's just the way the rules of Canada are. Quebec, back in 2013, hooked up with the state of California for a cap and trade system. So they put a price on carbon and then... You can trade carbon credits. Uh, Large industrial emitters can continue to do exactly what they're doing, but then they have to pay a certain levy or trade or swap carbon credits. Nobody at the consumer level pays a carbon tax in Quebec. You knew that, didn't you? Oh, well, you know it now? The hour of the big stories. Many things to chat about here from some Saskatchewan stories on your mind today. Anything you want to talk about, it's 877-332-8255 only on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.